this may not be what the creators intended, but like it can't be an accident that this is in there. Look, I remember it fondly because it had dinosaurs, <laughs> but I remember it unfondly for every other reason. The Black Donnelly's is pure gold, and you guys are wrong. Joey Ice Cream uh, for president. I'm just saying that selfie belongs in the Criterion Collection. Is it working? Uh, <laughs> no. Never, never has anything worked for me in my life, Ronnie. <laughs> Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, Andy. I'm a mysterious glowing substance, and I'm Evan. My dad's the Chancellor of the Berg, and I'm Ronnie. As you can tell by those introductions, Force Friends Rewatch is a podcast where we watch Star Wars television shows, and then we talk about them. We are currently covering Mm-mm. Clone Wars season. Mm-mm. No? Okay. I was wondering. I wonder. Was wondering if it was a bit, or if, or if you just hopped yeah. into autopilot. Oh. I didn't know for sure either, but I, yeah, it became clear after a moment. Yeah. Ending pending is a podcast where we discuss <laughs> television shows which have only lasted for a single season. We are currently covering Jeff Bezos's the Berg. The uh, I'll fuck. You what got the it. fuck is the show called? Oh, no. It's the, the, called Carnival, Carnival Row. Row. We're currently covering Carnival Row little episodes. Jeffy, little Jeffy Birds and Beezes. Uh, <laughs> Carnival Row. And Jeff Beezes' personal jerk-off material. <laughs> Before we get into that, uh, I have a bit for us. What is What is the bit, my love? What's the bit? What is your favorite wedding episode? Of a TV show. Mm. Or I guess of anything. If, if It's got to be a movie. Evan and I are getting married. This is our last episode of Ending Pending. Uh, ever. Ever. <laughs> but We're committed to each other after this, and we cannot be committed to a podcast. That's, you gotta, um, what's you, you the gotta thing? do it. Listen, there That's is only... That's bigamy. Yeah. There's yeah. no there's no room in your bed for this podcast anymore, and that's that's understandable. Correct. You gotta stay faithful to that ring and not out uh, fraternizing with all the other MP3s out there. Yeah, uh, actually, I conveniently just MP3 way, took... MP3 way, MP3 way. Sorry, that was that was a good joke. <laughs> MP3 way. Sorry, it was uh, there you go. Way too there late. You go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, conveniently, um, I just remembered we took all the language out of all the ceremony stuff about, um, uh, like not cheating on each other and stuff. Um, because that was, we feel like that's a weird thing to have in a wedding ceremony anyway. So, uh, we can actually, we can actually keep doing the podcast, I think. Oh, that's good. Maybe. Yeah. That's good. I would have taken that yeah. out. I mean, we'll, con- we'll consider it. <laughs> Uh yeah, but next time you'll be like all married and shit. Um, yeah, we'll have done the paperwork. Yeah, yeah, we will have Health updated our W fours. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's my favorite wedding episode of a TV show though? Or it doesn't have to be a TV show. But your favorite wedding thing, like story, I guess. Wedding episode in a general sense, in the royal sense. Um, I can go first. Yeah. I got one ready. Wait, 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 wait. What? 
You never go first. I'll go first. You always leave uh, me and Evan dangling here on the line, trying to scramble to come <laughs> up with something that you've clearly had slightly more time to think of than we have. I have had no more time to think of this than you, <laughs> either of you. I literally thought of this bit as the words came out of my mouth. I will have you know. We know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, hey, you guys are teasing me then. That's not nice. Um, Mine is... Uh, Kitty and Colossus were going to get married in X-Men Gold, which was not a good comic book series. And also Kitty and Colossus are a terrible couple and should not be together anymore. And writers should stop doing that. But Kitty left him at the fucking altar like a boss ass bitch and ran away with uh, Colossus's lesbian sister because they're in love. And Rogue and Gambit stole the wedding. Mm. And I love that. Uh, They... Uh, I think Rogue proposed on the spot and Gambit was like, sure, ma chérie, le- let us get married. Uh-huh. We're already here in this church. Uh, it's for free. Ride it like a four-wheeler. What? That's a Gambit-ism. He, he, he says that. Why does he say that? Because he's a horny, horny Cajun man. Do they have a lot of four wheelers in Cajun? In Cajun? Yeah. In Cajun? In Cajun? Yeah, they in got Louis- a lot of. In the Louisiana? They got a lot of four wheelers. Do they? Are you yeah, sure? Yeah, in the mud. Four wheelers, I don't think, do that well in mud. They do great in mud. Okay, whatever. They call it mudding. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's that much mud in Nolens as much as there is just swamps. Like lots of water on top of the mud. Take- mm-hmm. Take, take it up with the Gambit writers. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's like a 70-30 situation where it's 70% water and 30% right. dirt. So right. I think that's what mud is. Fan, fan anyway. boats. Fan boats, great. In, like, like historically, famously very good in New Orleans. Um, I, I'm generally against comic book characters getting married, but theirs was done really well. Uh, and they made sense to finally get married. And uh, they can still fuck whoever they want to if they want to. Everyone's fucking on Krakoa. Uh, another example I will pick is Billy and Teddy. I don't think they should have gotten married, but it was really cute and the, the issues were great. So who am I to who am I to complain? It was an adorable wedding. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I can't think of a wedding happening in a single piece of media. That I watch. You watched uh, the the show with the rich family, and they end up in the small t- Shit's Creek. Oh, you're right. That's you a watch Shit's Creek. I picked that one. No, oh, okay. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, no, that's. Uh, you are right, and that's the only good one. That's the only good wedding there's ever been in a in a media. There's multiple weddings in Smallville. I've never seen Smallville. How many of them uh, have an underage child bride? What? Isn't are you talking about the Constantine show? No, I'm talking about Smallville, and don't many of the actresses on that show uh, like are uh, significantly younger than their uh, male counterparts? I do not know. I thought that was a thing. I was also uh, very drunk <laughs> last time we talked about it, so it's possible I just don't remember correctly. 
Uh, I feel like Allison I Mack was in a sex cult. But... Maybe that's oh, what yeah. I'm. I'm, I'm yeah. all kinds of extrapolated. Uh, this is nothing. That was Nexium, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. She was branding her initials on people. Well, um, I think all my favorite wedding things happen on New Girl. Oh, I love New Girl. Um. CC, I mean, it didn't, they didn't even get married, but CC and Shivrang in the one season, um, it's it features Taylor Swift in like a very very small role where she's like, "I love you, run away with me," and and he does, um, and then the one episode I forget whose wedding it is, I don't think it matters, but Nick gets super drunk and uh, it's it's very funny. Very good. He has a mental breakdown in a in a photo booth. Um, before very going, relatable. Yeah, before going back to his very default ex, Caroline. Ugh. Oh, Caroline. Um, I love the wedding in Five Hundred Days of Summer, where it's what Joseph Gordon Levitt thought was going to happen versus what actually happened, and the screen is like split in two. Mm. And uh, it's it's very good. And uh, I don't know. You've seen Lord of the Rings. There's a wedding in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I, I didn't think like I, oh, I fuck, didn't... fuck Aragorn, son of Arathorn, last immortal, son of Gondor. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't care. About <laughs> that. I mean, look, I love Lord of the Rings, but that wasn't like a highlight for me. You know, I wasn't like. Oh, I've been following this love story with with uh, such attentiveness. I wonder what's going to happen to these the the only man and the only woman there's, in the movie. I know that there's other women. Don't I'm just the courtship of Princess Leia is a classic '90s classic. There's a lot of good wedding stuff out there. Also, Evan and Mai's wedding is going to be better than all of it. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, I. I don't, I, I guess this goes, like, I think, like, historically, weddings are a kind of jump the shark kind of event in television shows. It's like an easy get the gang together and do a very, something that's supposed to be very monumental. Um, and I think they kind of just fall flat sometimes. I don't, I don't think that, I, it, it is uh, telling that uh, more than one of the suggestions we've given are based on weddings that didn't actually happen. Um, I, 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 it, it feels, it feels, it's like the where they will, they won't they, they, they will, they did, and we're moving on. Maybe wet. Well, who, who's going to do a good wedding episode? Except for like when they finish on a wedding episode, like Shit's Creek. The reason why it doesn't work in comic books is. Uh, and like specifically X-Men is a huge part of X-Men is like who's fucking who, who wants to fuck who, who's cheating on who. And once you get a couple married, it is like very difficult to like undo that. And you, you've essentially removed two pieces from that game now. And, um... I think it's the same thing with TV. Like, for a lot of TV shows, that's a huge draw is that kind of soap opera element. Yeah. And if you marry a couple off, uh, as much as, like, 
divorce is a thing in real life and as much as like open like healthy open relationships is a thing in real life for whatever reason the rules of tv shows like don't really allow either of those options uh which is frustrating because a lot of problems could be solved but like you guys should just like get a divorce Mm -hmm. or hey like you guys should talk about wanting to like fuck a third like (laughs) i assume this i mean Look, we we all know how Americans be about sex and stuff, but I assume that part of this in media is a holdover from, like, censorship, you know, when Mm -hmm. you were... Like, I'm sure there was a time... uh, I haven't actually looked up what the, like, uh, uh, the television censorship rules were, but, like, for a long time you weren't allowed to depict even a married couple in the same bed together. So I am sure that you were not allowed to depict a divorce happening on television for a long time. Yeah. My problem is not so much with marriage as much as it is with weddings, where it's like, it all, it always just feels like it's, it's fan servicey to some degree. Like this, what is happening at this event doesn't really make sense plot wise and isn't really super interesting plot wise. It's just an opportunity for people who have been like shipping to be like, they did it. They did the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, in my, and everybody I, gets a costume change. Yeah. You know, everybody turns I, up I, looking different. I did not watch this show. I do not like this show, but I did see the uh, Jim and Pam episode of uh, the office uh, when they got married uh, not that long ago. And it's just like it was it was fine and looked like the uh, characters and the actors were having fun. But like as someone who like didn't really like isn't like super invested in the office, I was just kind of like, this just doesn't feel this feels like such a waste of 22 minutes. There's there's nothing happening here except for like uh, 50 wink and nudges to the camera nonstop. And it's just like, is that is that what your show is supposed to be? Is that what you're supposed supposed to do with a TV show? Are you supposed to like tell a story or some shit? I don't know. Let's talk about this show. Let's talk about watched. this show. They got they got married. No, I guess they didn't get married. No, no, nobody got married. Let's get married. Uh, yeah, we watched the final two episodes of Carnival Row, episodes seven and eight. Entitled The World to Come and The Gloaming, which I don't like that word. I don't like it's got a bad mouth. It's real gloaming. The gloaming. I wonder if that means something or if it was in if it's a term that was invented for the show. I don't know. It probably came from somewhere. Irrelevant. Not important. (laughs) Um, Episode seven. uh, Philo has been arrested because his. Uh, ex, now ex-girlfriend, uh, Portia, uh, outed him to his cop buddies, not quite realizing the implications that this would have, but she outed him to his, uh, cop buddies. Uh, he's thrown in jail. Uh, Vignette is also, prison? What is, is it, I forget, I always forget which is which. Is it jail or prison? She's in jail. Jail. They're in jail. jail, Okay. It Jail was, is in the police station, prison is a separate building. Okay, I knew that there was a difference, but I always get them mixed up. So yeah, jail. They're in jail. Um, and they sort of, uh, like, they've been sort of slowly coming back together as two individuals in the world throughout this whole series. 
and uh, them being in jail together because Philo has finally been outed is kind of what, like, you know, makes them both realize that they do still love each other. Um, Portia, Philo's girlfriend, uh, comes to the the jail and she, like, realizes that, like, oh shit, she didn't actually intend to, like, get Philo arrested. Like, she clearly has prejudice and she clearly was very upset when he uh, came out to her as being uh, half fae. But she clearly has a lot of remorse about having told the police about it when they came to, uh, like, interrogate her. And so she tells the police that she made it all up and they were having a fight and she was just trying to, like, hurt him. And uh, Philo basically has the opportunity to lie and say, like, nope, she, yeah, she totally made it all up. I never told her any of that stuff. Oh, to be clear, it's it's been a, an episode since we uh, explained, but he is in jail both... Uh, because he is half fey and has been uh, passing himself off as human, which is a crime, but more significantly because now that he, um, now that everyone's perception of him has shifted, they find it easier to believe that he might be the murderer. So he is in jail for the murder of these people that are like all have some kind of tenuous connection to him. Uh, so. He like they basically give him the opportunity to agree with Portia and say like, oh yeah, I'm th that was all that was all this silly woman lying, and I'm just your good old human buddy that you've known your whole lives, and uh, he won't lie to them about it. Like he's like, no, uh, like that's true. Like I didn't do the murders, but I am uh, not human, and they're like, we knew it. Fuck you. <laughs> um, so. Then, uh, uh, someone, someone, uh, sends a, a carriage for him, uh, and he gets taken away from the jail, and Vignette is confused and upset, and Philo is confused, and, uh, Philo is taken to an abandoned house, where he is confronted by, dun-dun-duh, Chancellor Breakspear, the politician that I've been referencing in many of these, uh, the one whose son was kidnapped and whose wife tricked him into thinking it was his political enemy. Uh, he brings Philo to an abandoned house and is going to shoot him in the head. Uh, and by being his just, just uncannily calm self, uh, Philo gets uh, Chancellor Breakspear to explain why uh, he's doing all this and why he wants to kill Philo and it's uh, because he too like having heard it from the police is convinced that um, Philo has killed it's pronounced Ashling it's spelled with an A-I but the, the singer, his mother, Philo's mother um, uh, the chancellor heard from the police some kind of a way that uh, Philo killed this woman and, surprise, surprise, uh, he was in love with her, and Philo is his son, and he, uh, Philo talks him down and convinces him, like, no, I didn't kill my mother, I didn't even know she was my mother until, like, literally yesterday, um, and so the Chancellor explains how they were in love, and blah, 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 um, 
the chancellor and Philo like kind of bond over this, uh, even though they don't have much in common and even though they still have some animosity towards each other. Um, but the chancellor agrees to uh, pull some strings and write some letters and get um, Vignette out of prison. Jail. Out of jail. Yep. So, um, meanwhile, um, uh, da, 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 what is her name? Imogen, uh, the, the spoiled rich lady who's been making friends with, uh, Agraeus, the, the fawn, the fawn neighbor, uh, they finally, like, their relationship finally becomes, like, explicitly romantic. She goes over to his house to help him hang a painting, and they have sex, and they're both real into it, and, uh, uh Imogen is like convinced that they can keep this a secret and uh Agraeus is like pretty convinced that they can't but uh she kind of talks him into like continuing their relationship anyway um we're we're spilling over into episode 8 now so I'm just going to run right right through it uh, I'll carry on with the, the Imogen storyline first because the, the Philo one get is there's so much happening. So, um, Imogen goes to see Agraeus again. Her brother catches them in the act. He's just like, his head's ex- fucking exploding with rage and disgust. And, uh, he threatens to kill Agraeus. And, uh, they jointly beat him up, basically. <laughs> like, uh, uh, Imogen sides with, uh, Agraeus against her brother. And she's like, uh, we've beaten this guy up in your house. Um, he's gonna tell the police whatever he wants, and they're gonna believe him, because he's a human and you're not. So we need to leave the country. And he's like, I don't fucking want to leave the country. And she's like, I know, but... Like, you need to not die. Like, I'm going to go with you and we're going to leave the country and everything's going to be fine. And he's like, you know what? Fuck it. Okay. Um, so they together get on a boat and they're headed somewhere else. He presumably owns the boat. He's very rich and it's going wherever he wants, apparently. Um, meanwhile, in the A plot. So there's this cult that we've mentioned before. This cult of fawns, and they send an assassin to uh, kill Chancellor Breakspear just as he's about to uh, get Vignette let out of jail. Um, he's uh, He doesn't die. He gets stabbed. He's very seriously injured. He's uh, laid up in bed. Um, his son confronts him because he has learned... His mother found out that he's in this relationship with the other politicians, the, the, the dead politician's daughter, and uh, is freaked out about it because uh, she uh, cheated on Chancellor Breakspear with the other politician, and uh, Jonah is not Chancellor Breakspear's son. Philo is making Philo Chancellor Breakspear's 
only son. Um, this is important because I don't even think I've mentioned it to this point, but uh, Piety, the Chancellor's wife, has mentioned uh, several times before now that there was this prophecy that has sort of driven all of her actions in life that uh, the Chancellor would be a great man. He wasn't a Chancellor at the time, but there was a prophecy that he would be a great man and that his son would be even greater. So she's like, dope, I gotta get in with this guy, I gotta have his kid, and this will secure my future. But this is all falling apart for her now, because uh, it has been sort of confirmed to all parties involved that Jonah is not actually the Chancellor's son. Uh, Philo is, in fact, the Chancellor's son. Um, and, like, ev ev everybody's everybody's caught wind of it now. This has kind of all come out in the open. I mean, at least to the players in this drama involved. Um, so, uh, Piety, the Chancellor Breakspeare's wife, uh, learns that the Chancellor has met his son and knows he exists now because, like, they had no contact prior to that. And Piety flips out. Um, she... Chancellor Breakspear will not tell her where Philo is or who he is or what he's doing. So she kills him. Uh, he's incapacitated because he's just survived this assassination attempt. And she cuts out his liver and she does magic to gain the information that he knows. This has been sort of introduced before because the, um, the Dark Asher also takes people's livers and uh, somehow... Some we knew that somebody was gaining information from their livers somehow. So um Piety uses magic, cuts out his liver, and like does like aug I guess augury is birds, but she does like some fucking she does some fucking uh like oracle shit. And uh she learns about Philo, she learns about Vignette, and she's like, Great. All I gotta do that my whole plan is coming together. All I gotta do is fucking kidnap this guy's girlfriend, and then he'll come to rescue her, and then I'll finally be able to kill this bastard son of my husband's who was at risk of taking glory away from the kid, my kid, who's, who's supposed to be the one that the prophecy's talking about. Um, so she... It's, there's a roundabout way that this happens, but she kidnaps Vignette. Philo comes to rescue her. Uh, the Philo thinks he has killed the Dark Asher, but he hasn't because you can't kill the Dark Asher while uh, Piety is still alive. And then Vignette kills Piety, and um, the the Dark Asher dies. And this is uh, all well and good for them for a minute. But uh, because the Chancellor has been assassinated, it's a huge status quo change for the world. Uh, there are even more restrictions put on Faye. Like, the whole of Carnival Row is, like, blockaded off, basically, because of this cult that they believe, you know... Well, the, the, the cult guy get, did stab him, but he didn't <laughs> die of that wound. He died of um, the wound inflicted by his wife, Piety, to steal his liver. Um, so, uh, because, like, because of all of this, uh, like, they, they, like, trap Vignette in Carnival Row, because that's, like, the Fae District, and, uh, Philo, again, has the opportunity to, like, denounce 
his heritage and lie and say that, you know, oh, no, I'm just passing by. I am just a human. But he doesn't. He, like, tells the guards that he's Faye, and they're like, oh, well, you have to go in there. You have to be trapped in this ghetto, basically. And uh, the ship that Agraeus and Imogen is on is, like, ordered back to port, and they're like, no, fuck it. We're, we're cutting and running. We're not. We've just got to sail faster. And that is the uh, status of things at the end of this show. I know that that was uh, a very confusing yeah. synopsis. I, I did my best. <laughs> you did. You did. Like, no no shade to Evan here. I'm worried that people might, like, hear all that and be like, I don't know about this show. That sounds like a lot. And granted, it is a lot. Uh, but it's it's good. <laughs> it's, it, I, I don't yeah, wanna... like, I, it's hard. It It is very challenging to include everything important in any synopsis of any episode. Did you get into the sibling fucking? I zoned out there. I sort of. Okay. It, like the fact there. Yes, I did. Okay. But that's, I kind of. That's, that's where we, past we will, it. We will get back. To we will that. get deeper. We we'll will get, get to the sibling. Yeah. Sex, the sibling sex. Um, but yeah, like I do. Like, I want to assure the the listeners i'm packing these synopses as densely as i can but truly like everything that happens is important so like there's little bits that i you know abbreviated for the sake of fitting them into an episode of our podcast um so it sounds like shit is coming out of nowhere here at the end i promise you it's not it's just that like so much was happening it's hard to articulate everything that was important this show is impossible to spoil because you could be like so-and-so is actually so-and-so's mom and she's doing this because of the prop and like it just sounds unhinged rambling but like if you watch it from start to finish it all makes sense and it's really good it's there's very very little meat left on the bone at the end of this season um it's everything is important because everything ends up coming full circle and playing a part into like this these these tangled webs we weave here in Carnival mm-hmm. Row, um, yeah, it is, it, which is commendable. I, I think that is shows are better when they do that when they just say like, "Here's the story. We're gonna tell all of it, and if we get a season two, maybe there'll be something we can we can pull apart and work from there." Mm-hmm. Um, but that brings us to uh, the next part, which is a question that I, most of us have already answered. Uh, hey, Andy. Hey, Ronnie. These two episodes, and fuck it, the whole kit and caboodle, this whole show, uh, did it work for you? So, these two episodes are probably my least favorite of the two episodes, but the final, like, five minutes of the last episode, I genuinely think is perfect. Uh, so it, like, while it dips down for just a moment... That ending, like, makes it all worthwhile to me. Um, I have a lot of feelings and thoughts on the the ending. Uh, so, yes, uh, these two episodes do work for me, and the whole kit and caboodle works. It's a, it's a damn fine show. Uh, hey, Evan. Yes, Ronnie. These two episodes, and also the, the sum of the whole of the parts uh, of Amazon Prime's com, uh, Carnival. Little Jeffy. Little, little Jeffy Birds and Beezes, uh, Carnival Row. I was going to call it 
Comedy Row, but that's not what it's called. Carnival Row. Um, did they slash it work for you? Yes, they did. Um, I'm actually kind of with Andy in that I think the last episode was arguably the weakest of the bunch, but uh, it was still solid. Like it's a, mm-hmm. it is still a solid show overall. Still really enjoyed it, and I still like. I don't dislike the last episode, uh, but we'll we'll get into it as we go. Yep. Hey, yeah, Ronnie. Yeah. hey Ronnie! Hey Ronnie! Hey yeah! Hey yeah! Are we doing the thing? I did. Your face. Enjoy these two episodes from Mr. Jeffrey uh, Birds and Beezies. But. <laughs> <laughs> Once it was again, sort of I was, a sentence. I was... It was sort of a sentence that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do not enjoy uh, Mr. Beards and Beezy's butt, but I do like this show very much. I, I, I didn't feel like I was less gripped by these last two episodes than I was by um, previous episodes in the series, but I could understand where it would have fallen flat as we're kind of like, it is kind of the the Columbo, like, oh, just uh, one more thing where we figure it all out. Mm-hmm. Kind of stretched over the course of, like, an hour. Um, yeah. But, no, yeah, love, lo- loved the show. Uh, liked these two episodes. Um, a lot of, lot of uh, for, for all the, the, you know, that wasn't um, the best about them and maybe it was a little bit boring, there were some pretty satisfying moments. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, did make for some good TV. So let's get into it. Uh, whatever we want to do, we've we've been uh, sh- heaping praise on this show. So if we wanted to 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 snuff out all those uh, those negatives or those those things that didn't work, uh, I would I wouldn't just mind talk you... about the sibling fucking. Just yeah. dive right on yeah. into that. But let's let's fuck some siblings. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind talking about negatives uh, just to like get them out the way. I don't think it'll be that long of a negative section. To yeah, I have a lot of negatives. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, you go first, okay. and then we'll go around the room. Uh, fuck, fuck the prophecy. Don't care about prophecies. Don't need prophecies. Mm-hmm. I don't need Orlando Bloom to be a chosen one. Uh, two. I don't care about Orlando Bloom's mom and dad and shit. I know that's like a big twist reveal thing here. I don't I don't fucking care. I don't need him to be personally connected to this crime. Um I don't like the dark Asher cool monster design, like cool creature design. Uh if I'm going to be real nitpicky, I can say I don't like that the person controlling it has to like move their arms and stuff uh because she doesn't have to run in place for it to walk like that would have looked really dumb i don't need her to be like pacific rimming this monster which sounds like a sex act now that i've said it (laughs) it does she just want it has to jump in one of those huge vr consoles where you're like Mm -hmm. on the disc hate Mm it and like i think it it muddies the water really really badly because you know the whole gist of this show is about like how the critch are 
discriminated against, and there's a serial killer killing them, presumably. Uh, and then also, like, killing humans close to them. And for the, the like, big reveal twist to be actually it's a monster doing it, like, really weakens it. And, like, you can say, like, oh, well, it's not a monster. The monster's being controlled by a person. But she, like, learned how to do this from a witch. And the witches are, like, a race of critch, presumably. Like, it it really muddies the metaphor, I think, in an unfortunate way. I don't think we've mentioned this before. Critch is a slur in the in the universe in the oh well now i now i feel like a fantasy racist no no no. i just was bringing that up because i i don't know if people know what you mean you keep saying like we've been saying the fae Fae, to this point and now you're saying the critch which is like like a bad word in the show which is i'm not saying i'm allowed to say mutie as an x-men fan no i'm not i'm I'm telling the audience this i'm not bringing it up to say you shouldn't say it i'm just bringing it up to clarify what you're talking about we can use critch because we're queer (laughs) um uh anyway um so like having it be like a supernatural killer i think really weakens the metaphor that was at play and if they wanted to do like this story of a human controlling a monster i think what they should have more deeply explored was uh her like appropriation of magic as like a force she's obsessed with but doesn't quite understand they kind of hinted at it but i don't think they explored it enough I actually disagree. I was I got the impression that that's exactly what they were doing. Like this was a colonizer mentality because she uh, was close to this witch like throughout her childhood. Like this this I don't know exactly what her relationship to this witch was, but I think she was like affiliated with their family in some kind of a way. She was like a servant or a nanny or something like that. I feel like they used that as just a way to explain how she knew how to do magic. I don't think that they like fully expressed that it was a colonizer thing and that like that's well, just my perspective on it. That's my yeah. read on it. I mean, you are free to disagree with me on it, but the the last person she uses the dark asher to kill is the very woman who taught her how to do it. Right. Sure. So, but that was just like her covering her tracks. Right, but it's mm. it's it's almost like it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy because she um what's her name piety wanted to keep the witch close to her because she knew she was going to be killed by this thing the 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 witch had seen it in a vision and um then uh the the witch reveals that like i'm gonna know who did it once this all happens like i will know who has like committed these murders and that's when piety sends the the dark asher after her so it's it's I, I I think there are like layers to it, and I think that I I do uh, I I do agree with Evan that I think that they did kind of seed this, they did lay this to be again maybe not as blunt as some of the other metaphors in the show, but to be this mm-hmm. like um, appropriation based thing, this kind of like I I don't think it muddies the water as much, especially. Not not to jump around too much, but this is in the same episode where Agraeus explains where he got his wealth 
which was essentially mm-hmm. being a slave catcher for humans. Um, and like, I, I think that those two things, like using using people and using concepts and using appropriation to then control, to then harm, to then do violence against the 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 people, the the groups that you seek to suppress. Like, I think that there is something that they are saying there. They're, they're, and, and I think they're they're doing like a good job of saying something. Um, yeah, I, I I I don't think it's as simple as just like the monster did the crimes. Um, I, I do think it is a little muddied by the fa- like. I agree with you that I I hate that that she has to kind of like VR this thing into killing things because if she's just like if it's just like whispers on the wind like hey go kill such and such then you know there's a little bit like more of this thing is is being controlled in just a very like it has no intelligence sense more than just being like an avatar which is like a weird thing that they introduce here i i think doing it that way actually made like the the made it more evident that like this evil is coming from the humans yeah. like she's literally inhabiting this thing she's like wearing it like a suit well like and, and when like, they when they die they're like on the ground mirroring each other like yeah. looking into each other's eyes as they mm-hmm. bleed out right. which was very much like i read that as like she looks like a person but she's a monster on the inside and i was like I just don't like anything to do with the Dark Asher. I think it's a really weak plot point in an otherwise fantastic show. If this was just this woman going around murdering these people and like laying little magical clues behind to try and frame the Fae, I think it's a a 9 out of 10 almost perfect show. The Dark Asher stuff brings it down uh, like to a 7 out of 10. For me, what this show is trying to say is that in a society where there are people who hold power and people that they see as an affront to that power, there are no lengths that those in power will not go to in order to control, to keep their power. Whether that is um, using people of a different race or of a different background to harm those people or to use their own magics that you find so repulsive against them. Like, and for me that yeah. it, that's where it kind of like hits where it's like, if she's just going around murdering, then it's just like, it's a murder. It's a murder mystery. Her like using this thing, which like her motives her motives don't matter because she is a person in power trying to maintain power for her and her descendants. And like, that is the thing that like sticks out so much where it's like, there's so much happening. There's so much going on at all times that we are seeing and being like, Ooh, there's, this is, this is a lot. But at the core of it, it's just like a bunch of people trying to control their own power and control those that they see as a threat and them doing really really wild and heinous things in order to do that including fucking your brother um or 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 like like lots of things like that uh in with regards to like piety's motives uh i agree with you that i hate a prophecy but the the prophecy wasn't even that relevant because the important part was that she knew 
her husband had a bastard child and this was a threat to her because it was I, I don't even think the prophecy was necessary. I think her motives could have been the same without a prophecy, just like the knowledge that her husband has a bastard child. She doesn't know where he is, but like his existence eats at her because he is a threat to her hold on power. Um, and then the fact that she like the Fae that she kills in the pursuit of her goals, she doesn't perceive them as her enemy. She doesn't even perceive them as people. They are just collateral damage. Like I just got to like kill these people to get their liver so I can get my actual objective. So she's like, I do think that is like a, a point of view that, fits with what the show is saying. I think it would have been a different show with a different message if she had been a serial killer whose objective was to kill the Fae because she perceives them as her enemy. Um, like, she she doesn't. They're just like, they, they are like pots that she's breaking, hunting for the thing that she perceives to be the threat to her power. I don't, yeah. So I don't think that the Dark Asher was like, absolutely necessary to tell this story but i also don't think it was a a bad tool to use to do it uh is is where i yeah. come down there's like i i thought it was uh in now granted i do think they showed the monster too soon and too often i think it should have been left ambiguous like what exactly was happening but uh like there certainly is like something interesting in the fact that like in the first episode this random set this this random sailor was randomly killing fairies because he thought that the dark Asher was a product of the, the Fae being in the Berg, like that they had brought this terrible darkness with them because they were inherently bad. Um, but like that paralleled with what we learn later, which is that no, like this isn't something from them. This isn't something inherent to the Fae being here. This is a perversion of like this is this is colonizer behavior this is basically like i don't want to i don't want to like trivialize cultural appropriation but like this is uh like terrible people like taking something by force from the people that they have oppressed and using it to continue oppressing those people uh in that line uh, this is like a much smaller complaint but the scene where Philo is in the prison cell. The cops put him with the humans and like tell the humans like, "Oi, he's a he's a fairy," um, and then like leave, which like the hey he's a fairy is like there's 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 some there's some there's some gay subtext there I think, but um, the humans go to beat him up. And, um, what's her name? Vignette? Vignette, like, warns it, like, Philo, look out! And then Philo, like, beats up, like, a bunch of dudes. And then, like, scares the other ones off from attacking him. I would have liked to have seen more Faye solidarity there. Uh, I think that would have been a great moment for Philo to, um... Like, show just a glimmer of pride in his fey identity. Uh, like, we see him, like, fully claim it at the end of the series, and it's a really powerful moment. 
Uh, and we saw the, like, police chief, like, question him and Philo, like, say, like, that's my mom, I'm half fae, but he's, like, real ashamed about it. But uh, in that fight, I think a couple of people could have, like, reached through the bars or something and, like, given Philo a hand or, you, you know, like, I think that there was a moment there where there could have been more... Um, more face solidarity and, and kind of start Philo more on that journey of accepting himself. Um, cause at the end it feels a little bit like he kind of just did it for, uh, vignette. Um, I like my overall complaint about the last episode is just that it feels like they needed one more episode to unravel the rest of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like there were some things like at, throughout the entire series, like every reveal has happened at like a pacing that I thought felt right. And like with the sort of like deliberation that I thought felt right, you know, like Philo was doing like actual police work, investigation stuff, nothing real contrived, but he was like working for answers. He was making connections. He was like using his intelligence and his intuition to like get to the next point to understand what was going on. But in this last episode, it felt like there were just too many things that relied on like handy coincidences. Um, like for example, when piety, uh, kills, um, uh, chancellor Breakspear and learns from his liver that, uh, <laughs> he has a son and that his son or that who, who his son is and who his son is in love with. Just by coincidence, he had a piece of paper tucked into bed with him at that very moment that was, like, um, Vignette's, like, release order. And it wasn't even, like, she did this in the same room where he had been writing that letter. Like, they had to have a scene where somebody brought it to him, like, oh, you had this in your hand, sir. And he then tucks it into his... Like, that just felt like a weird coincidence, you know? And then, um... The thing where uh, the the witch uh, like drinks a potion of suspend your spirit in your body for a little <laughs> while right before the dark asher kills her. And then she like she is killed. Philo hears about it because he hears somebody yelling on the street. Oh, no, like she's dead. Oh, no. He just happens to be nearby. He happens to come running. And then she just like like expositions all the gaps so far to him like it it felt like they were just like okay we just gotta like get these last three pieces of information to Philo real quick some kind of a way and it like it didn't feel that satisfying to me compared to the rest of the show there's no like glaring plot holes or anything it's not like they like drop the ball and like shit just suddenly like stopped making sense or anything like that it just felt like they were they were rushing to wrap it up in this last little bit. I'm also not quite sure how Philo knew exactly where Vignette was. Like, uh, um, Piety had her, like, in this, uh, like, it was, like, part of the, uh, like, sewers. Like, she had, I don't know, I don't know, ex- I don't know exactly what the fucking structure of the sewers was, but there's this big room that's, like, attached to the sewers. And Philo, like, Maybe I missed something, I don't know, but, like, Philo just seemed to know without being told where Piety had taken Vignette. 
And like, I, I just, I, I missed that. Like either I blinked and something happened or like they didn't fully explain it. The only thing I could think of is that it, he, maybe he entered into the same storm drain that, um, Ashling was killed mm-hmm. outside of in the first episode. And like, he knew that like something what like pulled her body in there and like, whatever, like he thought that was like the lair of the monster. But again, that's, that's like very circumstantial. Sure. Yeah. But he would have known that from episode two because they, you know, right. they know where the storm drain is where that woman was killed. So, right. But now he's got a reason to find. This yeah. Woman, you no. Know? Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. It's not like a huge, it's not like, it's not like they're huge glaring mistakes or anything like that. Like it just, it just feels less, less tight than the rest of the show has felt so far. I will throw into that same bucket, the um, false uh, blackmail note Mm -hmm. that is only introduced literally like right before um, piety is killed Mm -hmm. um, that we learn was not written by Ashling to try and like extort money from uh Breakspear, Counselor Breakspear. It was written by Sophie Longerbane, the other uh political child, just to like his sister. In her Yeah. His sister slash fuck buddy. <laughs> Half sister um, slash fuck buddy. To like as she constantly says to like sow chaos because mm-hmm. out of so chaos comes opportunity for people like you and me. Um, that also felt just like that felt that doesn't feel necessary. Yeah. Other than to just like point out like, wow, this Sophie Longerbane really has some questionable morals. The woman who is knowingly fucking her brother yeah. and not telling him. Yeah. Um, yeah, that didn't Um, feel necessary. I, I would have, I would have totally been fine if it had been, uh, Ashling, this singer, uh, uh, Philo's mom who had, you know, out of like, she, she is impoverished. Like she was in a desperate situation. I would have been fine with her just like in, in a moment of desperation, like trying to extort money from this family and it's setting off this yeah. chain of events that would have made perfect sense or um, even not introducing this this bl- blackmail letter as this like mm-hmm. MacGuffin at the end like it's 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 discussed in the show how like this affair is like well known around council and stuff like that yeah like, it, this kind of thing would have leaked out to piety at some point anyway like they they all of a sudden like at the end decide they need to explain how piety knew and it's like yeah I wasn't really questioning how piety knew like that. That just seems like fine. I, yeah, I agree. Like she, we didn't need the, especially because, especially because something that go ahead. It, it, it was something that Orlando Bloom's character figured out on his own with no connections to this family, like no direct connections. So, uh, yeah, I don't struggle to believe that piety could have figured this out. If it was something that was maybe going to be like a holdover, like surprise for season two, maybe I I bite on it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But it was literally like introduced as this mystery and then sorted out within like ten minutes to like not really give us any any better characterization of of what was happening. So yeah. just just felt like another like kind of like you didn't you didn't need it. 
either there's enough stuff here going on yeah. without you adding in like this extra extra stuff. There was still plenty I liked about these episodes. There was oh, still there's plenty I liked. There's yeah. a ton of good stuff here. I know that I like bitched about it, but uh that's only cuz I like this show a lot and yeah. uh it makes when it does do things that I don't like stand out more. Yeah, it's it is really challenging to take a show this rich with this many threads and make it all come together at the very end. So um, I'm, I, I accept it with its little hiccups in it. I think it's, I really think it's not that big of a deal that there were some little, um, you know, little hiccups here happening at the end. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Let's talk about good stuff. How do we feel about those sex scenes? I am surprising myself by saying this because, but like all of the sex scenes in this have been like, almost gratuitous but like i i kind of like them i think they're mm-hmm. i think they're sexy like they're some of the sexiest heterosexual sex scenes i have ever seen in anything the aggress scene was real hot boy mm-hmm. howdy mm-hmm. both of them yeah like yeah. like the 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 like of course the very like um tropey like they both take off their clothes standing up staring at each other and then like touch their hands to each other's breasts like that was like just hot in general because it's both two very attractive people and agreus was ripped so that was nice <laughs> um, he was ripped under them fancy waistcoats <laughs> <laughs> um but like especially the scene where she comes later like through the, the little rough one like mm. having misgivings where he like jacks her up against the wall and is like what do you want and she's like, you know exactly what I went. And, and they both Vapors. just go for it. <laughs> yes. Extremely hot. Very, very hot. Um, yeah. Look. I, I, I was uh, shocked. At, again, same as, as y'all were talking about uh, with uh, Orlando Bloom and, and uh, Vignette. Like, very, very hot sex scene. And they they just... they must have had a great intimacy coordinator on this because they, they did it good. Uh, yeah. this, this might be gross of me to say i did not know they were siblings at the time but their sex scene in the carriage was pretty hot too i didn't yeah i didn't care as much about that one but i certainly didn't mind it it was very unexpected yeah i feel like in like the like just not that that we're like they're fucking but like in like just the the plot line of the show um, when it zooms it out like, to the outside of the camera and the servant is there and like the the yeah. whole carriage is rocking it's just like oh yeah, yeah, I like that one too. It, it, I, I feel it feels weird to say, but it had like a an air of like, ooh, we shouldn't be doing this, and then later you're like, oh no, you, <laughs> you really, really shouldn't. shouldn't be doing this. Yup, nailed it, Roddy. Uh, um, yeah, the, the, those those stuck, stuck out to me as I think about like powerful moments and like satisfying moments. Uh. Those uh, stick out to me specifically. Everything with Agrius and uh, Im- Im- I Imogen. Say Imogen. Okay. Agrius and Imogen. Everything about them, these two episodes, fucking rules. It's all really good. I, uh, I-, I like all of it. I genuinely like that they're both kind of bad people. Yeah. Like, it's mm-hmm. like I, but I still like them. Like, not in a way, like, I would never hang out with these people. 
but I still find them to be such compelling characters, and I still want them to, like, succeed and be happy, even though Agrius is a fucking uh, slave catcher, and Imogen is, like, you know, vapid and kind of obsessed with money. Um, like, she's she is more complicated than that, and he's more complicated than that, but, like... The fact that, like, these people are both, like, kind of objectively bad. They're kind of objectively right. bad people. But, like, they're just written so well and they're so well acted. They're so compelling. It, it's such a fascinating character study. Like, and, and that is what makes it work. That They're not, like, again, not characters that I like, but characters that, like, I want to see how things play out around them. Where it's, like, I feel like she is getting better for knowing him and for being in this relationship and like exposing herself more to, to this world. Like she comes out of one of the, um, the auction being like, yeah, I don't think I really like that friend of mine. I don't think I like any of my friends. Like she's having these like, like revelations and like, it would be nice to say, and she's making him better. But I think she's making him worse because she's reinforcing this idea that like, no, it's good that you've like, strived and 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 turned on your own kind in order to like achieve this level of wealth and and social status um it, it's like i i yeah i i i i'm very fascinated by like where this goes and what you know what each person gets out of this dynamic real good it's real fucking good writing real fucking good acting yeah. everybody's good mm -hmm. even even the fact that like <laughs> the squirrely little rich kid who can't even make enough money to keep like his house afloat goes over with a gun thinking like yeah this big big huge buff fawn man I'm just going to shoot him with a gun. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be This is going to work out I'm, great for me. It's going to be fine. I yeah. love that Imogen um, got like a hidden too. Yeah. 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 Loved that. Oh, she smacked him with like a, a banister or yeah. something and then held the gun on him. I'm like, yeah, girl. Yeah. I I liked that uh, Agrius's manservant got, got a little bit of lines and got some like character moments. Mm -hmm. That was interesting. Uh they have a compelling relationship. I feel like uh, would have liked to have seen more. Um, I love the bit at the end when they're like leaving town and the, the coast guard or whatever says they have to return. And the captain's like, what do you want me to do? And he's just like, fucking outrun them. Like we leaving, we're going. It's good stuff. We Audi 5,000. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's good. It's real good. Yeah. Andy brought uh, this up already, but I do love the the status quo change at the end. It feels like uh like everything in the story has been satisfactorily resolved, but it also feels like it could lead into a real interesting season 2. Like it feels like mm -hmm. a lot more could still unfold out of this. I don't know what it's going to be, but Yeah, so like we get uh the bastard I, he, I shouldn't say bastard. I was saying bastard as in he's like kind of a dick. But uh, we get the, the rich political son is now chancellor. And he and his sister are fucking each other. And they have unified both like opposing factions in the government. 
uh, to be super extra racist now. Mm-hmm. We have um, all of the Fae in the Berg, even the Fae who work in the f- uh, the fancy like rich houses are being forced onto Carnival Row. Um, Orlando Bloom is getting separated from uh, his girlfriend's name... Vignette. 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 And she's like, hey, like, you don't have to, like, come. Don't worry, I'll escape. And I'll find you. And the cops tell him, like, hey, buddy, you don't need to come over here. Like, this is only for the the, the, the critch. Yeah, you look awfully human to me. You can, you and, can go along. And yeah. he, like, walks away and goes over to Vignette. And they talk through the gate. And then Orlando Bloom walks back over and they're like, buddy, we already told you, like, this is only Critch. And he's like, I'm I'm a Critch. I'm a Fae. And he's, he says it with his chin up and walks confidently into the row as, like, barbed wire and gates are being erected. And he gives Vignette uh, a tight hug. And um, Agrius and Imogen are escaping on a boat. And her brother looks sad and beat up and angry. Uh, oh, one tiny little complaint. Uh, the, the political system in this world, I wasn't quite clear on because I thought it was, uh, like an elected system that they they certainly like the people in, uh, like parliament or whatever, like they certainly vote, they vote amongst themselves, but I guess the individual positions are, uh, like inherited. I guess it's like, uh, like, uh, they, they explained when, um, the other guy died that um, until the next election, the child, t- like their, their next descendant takes up the mantle until mm. like, it like um, temporarily. Okay. Until uh, that seems else like a bad it. system, I, but uh, yeah, yeah, no real bad. I just assumed he um, like won a, like kind of immediate uh, vote based on like sympathy and he's young and attractive. I mean, they could have worked I, that in, but they didn't. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm satisfied with that explanation, Ronnie. I guess I just missed it in the previous episode. Or Andy's but... explanation. I love you. I love you. <laughs> um, um, which uh, I think both of their, both Sophie and um, Jonah's plan is like, yeah, I'm temporary for now until... I use racism to drum everybody up into a, a fury, and then I, you know, I'm just elected anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, she was so so cool with fucking her brother. She was <laughs> real into it. Yeah, she was very. She was. He like storms in, and and like I'm like that. That is why I'm like this. This episode kind of gripped me. But if you have to use like, you know, that guy before and this girl that are kind of into each other uh, and they're fucking, they're actually siblings. If you have to use that to like get me gripped into the episode, I feel like you're cheating a little bit. I feel like you're playing on easy mode. Um, he like bursts in. And I'm expecting like a confrontation. She's just like, yeah, I thought that might be. It could be the case. Like, I knew that was a possibility. And he's like, are you kidding me? And she's like, uh, we're descended from, like, emperors and pharaohs. She's like, you think we're the first siblings to have sex with each other in our family? And it's just like, 
what is happening? <laughs> Why, what is this line of logic? The, the scene it, it, with like, his mom, too, is also really great. Yeah. Where he confronts his mom for kidnapping him, and uh, he reveals that like he's known this whole time, and she's like devastated, and she's like, please stop fucking that girl. And he's like, why? Because you're jealous of her? Because you want to yeah. control me? And it's kind of like a little Oedipal. And she's like, no, because yeah. it's your sister, you dummy. And, like, that reveal is also just, like, out of nowhere and just so amazing. Yeah, yeah totally derails the, why did you kidnap me And, uh, and abuse me, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah so it, good. It, just, it, 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 they, they tried it, and maybe this is a negative, they really tried to establish Sophie towards the end as just, like, absolutely unhinged, which I think they accomplish, but I think she's maybe a little bit less interesting if she's just like absolutely like opening Pandora's box at every opportunity and not like a little bit more calculated. Um, like mm-hmm. she keeps saying like chaos, we need chaos. And it's like, that's like interesting, but like, I'd rather, I'd rather something a little bit more specific than just like, yeah, we're just, we're just burning everything to the ground. Yeah. She it, they they just I and I and I and I don't I, I use this term as like a um as the the stereotype as the like uh you know pseudo slur it has become. They try to make her seem crazy like at the end. They try and like really like hammer home that like Jonah is in on this, but he's the like logical one and Sophie is like you just like can't even know what she's going to do. You can't trust her and not in like a fun way in kind of like a like just she's gonna she's gonna do the silly thing every time and it just it that that fell a little bit flat for me because she had been so like strong and put together and and seemingly like calculated this whole time but you know it, it's, it wasn't terrible it was just something that i might have done differently Again, we didn't need that whole letter, like forged blackmail thing at the end, sort of thing. So, like that would have, that would have helped too. Should we talk about how this show, like, not like in a a figurative sense, but in a very literal, like, factual sense, is going to have a season two? Um, I hope so. I mean, like I said, allegedly, allegedly they have done filming for it. Yeah. But that, like, I, I, as I was searching last night for some other tangential things, I was just like, like popping through the like the same old Google suggested results of like season two. Will there be a season two? Is Carnivoro canceled? And there was like an article that was like, what can we expect from season two? Which like they have those all the time, even for canceled shows. Mm-hmm. It's just like bad. Uh, it's it's uh, SEO clickbait you know like when you say ai AI generated uh, blog posts and stuff like that but this one was like no like here's the actual carnival row twitter account tweeting out some like set photos from the filming of season two and uh here's like some of the things that we can that the director said we can expect and here's like a showrunner who is not involved but this other person is involved and i'm like is this is this definitely having a season two? I remember checking. Well, it was officially renewed by Amazon and they've been saying ever since mid 2019 when it came out. 
that there's going to be a season two. But then they also announced in 2020 that like they had to stop filming because of COVID. And then there was just radio silence for a really long time. So like everyone assumed that like at least some filming had been done, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to finish. Like this is a very post-production heavy show. Like there's flying and there's, you know, like the whole, like, uh, the whole like landscape is not real. Like it is a fictional country. So like, this is all like, there's a whole city that doesn't exist. Like they're filming in real locations in certain instances, but they have to CGI a lot of this city. They've got a CGI, you know, the, the character legs and wings and uh, horse bodies and stuff like that. So like, yeah, it, it has been known that they did film something. I don't think it's ever been clear exactly how much they filmed before shutting down in 2020. Um, and then I, it was never clear to me from what I read if they resumed filming, if they had finished filming in early 2020 before they shut down, like, because it's been, uh, uh, since 2019, it's been three years now. It's been three entire years since we heard anything like since, since the show was officially renewed, you know? In what I in what I had read, they, they I did not get the indication that they resumed filming, and they were very like um, quick to point out that like there is no release date, mm-hmm. like there's nothing on like even like a you know uh, summer of two thousand twenty three or anything like that. There's just nothing there. Mm-hmm. Um, it it is interesting, and this is maybe something we could talk to. Um, uh, or or just get some some info from a uh, friend friend of this podcast uh Ryan one of the hosts of uh, Force Friends Rewatch um as they renegotiated some of the contracts for people who work on these shows that are these um streaming service shows that had such a, a raw deal um from 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 a decade ago these shows that are so so post production heavy like is it just not gonna happen like are they just like screwing all these people out of this job because it's like well we we had old contracts and that's what we filmed under but now that we're restarting everything it's like i mean it's not the only thing that was like being worked on in the midst of of those uh contract negotiations with that union but on a show that like well orlando bloom isn't here anymore it's just on the animators and and the editors and things like that like i i wonder what impact that has on the completion of a show like this mm-hmm. um and 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 when they are in the position to just be like yeah no we're not going to do it anymore we're going to cut our losses um i i you know i it, it's just that was just something that just occurred to me as like a you know it's going to be a lot of uh, teams and teams of people who have to work on this now to make it like look like season 1 and look like like you said, like the Berg, like um, uh, Tiranach, wherever they go back to. Um, and that's a lot of work that will be done by people that are hopefully better taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, Good show. I liked it. Yeah, it's very fun. It's a real doozy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. It's very dense. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a like, rich text. Yeah, hands down the best sex I've seen on TV. It's it's up there. It's definitely, uh, yeah. 
I'm watching Outlander right now, and there's a lot of sex on that. Um, maybe not very good sex, and extremely heterosexual sex at that. Um, but actually, uh, spoilers for uh, for season six of Outlander. My Kirsten's watching it. They just introduced like a a throuple with oh. uh, with twins, actually, which. Now, oh. in light of what we're talking about yeah. now, it's maybe not. The, I don't think I don't I don't think they're they're like doing three stuff. I think it's more of just like they both are. They're all married to the same girl. Um, I don't know. It's weird. That's all I'm saying. It, it it's it's the one time this extremely straight laced heterosexual show has been a little bit weird in that way. Um, is it two t- like twin dudes married to the same woman? Yes. This is extremely like romance novel shit. Yeah. <laughs> I always oh, yeah. I've always gotten oh, yeah. the impression that uh uh Outlander is like extremely romance novel content. Um but that it is, is porn for moms. Yeah. It is it is it is absolutely exactly what it is. Love um, that. Love that for them. Yeah. Yeah. I I I there is a uh there, there is a non-zero chance that if a tall Scottish uh, red-haired man walks into our home, that my wife will just <laughs> be carried away, and she will, she will leave our our children, leave me, and and that that is the level of uh, of of hold that this kind of thing has over people of Kirsten's demographic. Um, that being said, yeah, the, the the sex on this show is is far and away way better than that, and. Just as my as my one point of comparison that has been recent enough. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's 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 somehow subtle, despite including glowing wings and uh, hooves and stuff. Uh, it's all like. It's just filmed really well. Like mm-hmm. you said, Ronnie, yeah. I think they had, yeah. I think they did have like a very good intimacy coordinator, but they also like, I feel like they focus on the women a lot in like, not uh, like male gazy kind of a way. Sure. You know, which like, there's some subjectivity to that, but like my impression yeah. was that like the, the the women in these scenes are the focal point but in a way that like gives us insight into their point of view like that gives us insight into like what they're thinking and how they're feeling and like even though they're naked like i still feel like there's a strong like character element to the sex scenes you know in a show that like hints at um you know sexual assault in kind of uh ways that like that 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 kind of thing at least takes place in this world uh specifically against the fairies and things like that um it definitely puts the agency very squarely in the woman's uh in these relationship dynamics it puts the agency in the women's hands Mm -hmm. um in a very like deliberate and intentional way um which feels like safer um, just being in a scene like that, even though like when Agrius like jacks her up against the wall, that is like a very, um, you know, 
aggressive and and you know i was afraid for what that scene was gonna be but then she answers back with that like like this is what she was trying to uh get out of him yeah Um, it's like she she, this was this was her her attempt all along it's very clear from the scene that like she really wants to have sex with him again like she came over specifically just to have sex like she didn't have any pretense to come over she was just like yeah you know hi hey what's what's good and uh like she's convinced like she's convincing him the whole time like he's saying all these like reasons why like this is that he tries to oh another thing i liked actually and i promise we're almost done but uh another thing i liked is that he tried to do that thing where he like this is her so hard that she gets upset and like doesn't want to see him anymore but she's like come on man like don't <laughs> come like you like you had a great time and you're really into it and like i don't know why you're being so like cagey now but like you're up to something like i'm not buying it i'm not buying and it just felt like a nice subversion of this thing this like uh, I'm lying to you to protect your feelings thing. I'm breaking up with you for your own good, which is what mm-hmm. he was trying to do and where I assumed it was going to go. But she's just like, come on, man. You think you can fake break up with me? You think you can lie to me to get me to break up with you? Like, I'm not stupid. <laughs> yeah. Just completely dodged that trope. Yep. Well done. Sidestepped it. Amanda Blumenthal. That is the uh, intimacy coordinator for this show. I'm going to quickly look up everything they've done. They have a team of intimacy coordinators. I think, I guess you would need that, but that feels like extra cool. Um, have a good wedding, y'all. Thanks, Thanks. Ronnie. Hi. I'll miss I'll miss you so much. That being that, like, the only time that I talk to you or see you is on this podcast. Yeah. We're gonna be seeing you at the wedding. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm gonna be at the wedding. How about that? Where they uh, may may. Where they may may. How it's happening right now. How about it? It's happening right now, and there's so much up there. I'm, I tell you what I'm going to do. As soon as we get off this call, I'm going to put up this very uh, sad and depressed picture of College Andy up on the Patreon. <laughs> oh. I forgot I sent that to you. The breakfast yeah. sandwich. The 4 a.m. hearty strip. Quality. Some quality Liberty University Andy. Oh, wow. Um, I, you gotta see this. I look rough, y'all. It's a it's the mm-hmm. worst picture of me that's ever been taken. <laughs> um and uh there's a ton of stuff going up. Lots of stuff from uh from good neighbors. Uh I'm gonna be doing some streaming later this month. Uh just just some stuff. I know that uh, maybe not this month, but maybe next month, uh Andy Andy would like to do a a throwback to the old fun necessary days of, of just kind of like shooting the shit mm. on uh, nerdy media properties and things like that. Um, 
and Evan's got a got a. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it live so that Evan has to to, to complete it and get it to you. And Evan's got a newsletter, one of our classic uh, where they may newsletters. Yeah, that I'm... is uh, gonna drop this month. Yeah, talking to you all about Lots the stuff of... that I like watching and reading and doing. Lots of cool stuff like that at wherethemay.com and check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash WTM radio. Uh, I'm telling you, even if you hop in for like a month, get all this cool stuff and then just hop on out, it's worth it. And I will not, I will not be mad about it. Just like do your thing. We're not short term affirmation. Short term validation is validation. I don't know if you know this, but yeah, we do this uh, purely for the emotional benefits. That's not true. Ninety seven percent for the emotional benefits. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So you uh, I do it. You looking at our I do it to steal away from my uh, many, many children uh, from time (laughs) to time. But uh, yeah, which is which is also emotional. (laughs) It's, It's an emotion. Um. Yeah, please, please hop on in there. Um, hop on in there. Uh, toss toss a couple of stars our way uh, if you on your podcasting app of choice. Uh, we haven't put out the call for that recently. Uh, but yeah, if you like us and you like what we're doing, give us a positive review. You're listening to uh, us right now on your phone. Just hit five stars and say. Just hit. Type in this is a good show, and that's it. Yeah. Just holler at your phone. Say five stars. Five stars. Uh, especially if you're in public. It. Type it, though. You could type it, I guess. I don't know. If you... That primitive technology. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, com WTM Radio. Uh, follow us on uh, uh, Twitter. You can follow the, the Where They May account at uh, Where They May or pending at Pending Pod. Always, always good to to see the folks on the Twitters talking about uh, different things and drop it. We got a recommendation recently on Twitter for a show that looks oh, uh, what show? interesting. It's like a, I don't know, it's like a magician-ass show. A magician-ass show. Yeah, it's just, it, it looks like some guy doing some magician-ass card tricks or something. Um, let's see if I can bring it up there's a lot of things canceled this year a lot of things that uh might be worth a check it in on and a lot of bullshit that uh is definitely not worth checking in on Mm. um (sighs) deception Mm-hmm. A uh, f- disgraced Vegas. Ma- it's this is a uh, uh, looks like Dustin. Dustin, your eyes on Twitter. Uh, it uh, combines disgraced Vegas magician and FBI into the X helps the Y solve crimes formula. Um, and there's a mystery B plot. Ooh. So. I love magicians, so that sounds fun. Uh, I like the sound of a magician helping a cop to solve crimes. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that is. I cannot envision in my mind how that would pan out. 
Pick a card. Any card. <laughs> Pick a card. Any card. Looks like he was murdered. Um, maybe, maybe just you know what? Like people. Maybe he just makes balloon animals. Maybe he just makes balloon. I was gonna say like like I mean like a cab and and, and cops and all like that. But like also like you know maybe sometimes they just need someone to like do a card trick. Because they see lots of dead bodies all the He's time. Purely this, there this for guy, emotional support. Yeah, this, this guy, guy just pops up. I know you've seen some shit out there. Was this your card? This is this guy's the establishment's answer to uh, we need better training and more funding and yes. more emotional yes. support for cops. It's like, oh, what if we paired every cop with a fun uh, magician man mm-hmm. to help him let off steam so he doesn't uh, shoot people and murder them? He just sits Sounds down like and a... goes, just just sits down next to him and goes like, you know, I, I I know that like times like this are hard, but you got to look on the bright side. And he reaches over and he goes, got a quarter behind your ear. <laughs> Very good. Lots of possibilities here. Yeah. Uh, competence all the way down. He can uh, hover like four inches off the ground. That That helps. At presumably. certain angles, yeah, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> now I just want Chris Angel to go on the Steven Seagal bounty hunter show. Sure. As Steven Seagal's new crime partner. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. Uh, I feel like if we don't do the Green Arrow, or not Green Arrow, if we don't do the Green Lantern animated series sh- soon, Housemate Kim will murder all three of us. Mm. So we gotta that, tackle that Green Lantern show at some point. That's an incentive for sure. We'll figure it out. We'll options. figure out what we're gonna do next. We're gonna we do some, some fun stuff in the meantime, uh while Annie and Evan are away. It'll be the, the Ronnie show. Ronnie's and uh Ronnie we're gonna bring in some guests and it'll be it'll be it'll be good times. So stick around for that. Um but until then, uh have a happy wedding. Uh, y'all are beautiful and I can't wait to be a part of your beautiful day and how do we end these episodes Andy wow did I lose you oh my goodness y'all they really wanted to get out of here fast to get on their their uh wedding vacation break from this podcast they could even stay to the end of this whole episode um uh, don't tell pawn shop lou that all of his workers are organizing it's a it's a union it's a union thing like we've been doing lately unionize your workers and support that union pawn shop lou bye everybody Where They May Radio.